0: morning everybody this is michael james with the noggin podcast and today we have a very special guest brendan frazier and he's located at a tennessee today with us he has his own podcast he started in august of 2020 and has been consistently building and then he's also the owner of wired planning so i'd love to have brendan introduce himself and his businesses and let us know a little bit more of what you're up to in this world
1: yeah. So I, um, I've got, I have a couple businesses in the, as we were talking a little bit before, a couple businesses, both in financial services. So that makes it a little bit easier. Like, because when I hear about other people that have multiple businesses and they're in completely separate industries, completely separate sides of the world, I don't know how in the world they do it because having two in the same industry is challenging enough, but there's quite a bit of overlap. So on one hand, um, I've got, I'm part of a firm where we work, we do financial planning for entrepreneurs and a lot of parents that run businesses. <laughs> Um, just because it's a uh, much, it's a needed market that doesn't really get tapped into doesn't it doesn't really get served by traditional financial advice world um, and then the second business is uh, it's my own kind of like personal brand business where I do some speaking uh, podcasting like you said and coaching for financial advisors and we focus we've just focus on all the things that we don't get trained on in, in as far as like how to interact with human beings how to communicate and understand the emotional aspects that go along with dealing with money like how to how how to connect with somebody in a way that gets them to open up to you and tell them about their life and their dreams and their goals because we get all the training and and, and de- we get all the training all the um we have all these designations and certifications that teach us how to do the numbers side, right? Like mm-hmm. here's how much you need to save, here's how much insurance you need, here's what uh, here's what risk is in a portfolio, blah 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 blah. But we don't ever get trained on the fact that we're dealing with emotional human beings on an emotionally charged topic like money. Mm-hmm. And to, until you figure that out, you can't actually be great at what you do. So, but it was one of those deals where somebody was asking me yesterday where the idea came from, and it, honestly, it's like classic business idea generation 101 where you go there's a need for something that people there there's a need for something everybody agrees that it's necessary but it doesn't exist so financial advisors would tell me all the time that it's something that they need they know it's important they just didn't really know where to go for it and so i kept hearing that over and over again was like all right well Somebody's got to fill this gap, and so that's why I say classic business idea generation one hundred and one. Because there was a, there was a need, there was a demand, and a need, and it pretty much didn't exist. So I just kind of went out, and, and um, the rest is history. So how long have you been in with
0: Wired Planning, and and what has transpired in the last two years? Would you say?
1: Yeah. So founded Wired Planning in two thousand eighteen. Okay. Um, and, and spent quite a bit of time. So this is 2021 in the fall. So it's been about three years. Uh, and so the really. So you had a year or two right
0: before the pandemic hit where you were building and getting this thing going, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So then, that.
0: Or go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And then it kind of sounds like it hit. And then I'm guessing you had to shift gears a little bit. So it'd be kind of interesting to hear that.
1: Well, yeah. So in fact, what actually happened was. Um, at the same time that i founded wired planning i was just launching my uh career or my my advisory business my financial advisor business working with clients so i kind of started them both at the same time uh in the wired planning side in the podcast they, they it started more as a just like a side hustle if you will more of a like so a passion project too passion project side hustle i don't really like those terms because i think Mm -hmm. psychologically it does something to us where you don't really like if i just truly thought of it as a side hustle or passion project it probably wouldn't have grown into what it is today Mm -hmm. so i never really wanted to look at it like that but if you look at how i broke down my time and then where my income was coming from like it was very much a side project there for a while Mm -hmm. uh and then just like kind of kept pouring into it, kept pouring into it uh, from through 2018 to 2019. And that allowed me to generate, kind of build the awareness around it. So there, it wasn't like I launched from from nothing. So that's when the podcast launched in, like you said, August of 2020. So that was basically like a two-year gap where uh, it was a side project. I was like, you know, on social media, connecting with people, kind of gauging some interest, putting out some content there, kept sort of teasing the podcast. Uh, But the nice thing about that was um, once the podcast was launched, there was a little bit of a natural audience. Like some people that had kind of been waiting for it. Some people that were aware of what I was doing, but the the launch of the podcast is really what poured gasoline on the fire and took it from being a, a side hustle passion project into a full-blown like hey I, got, I better like figure out a way to run two businesses instead of one and a half. Type Very deals. cool.
0: So let me ask you Brendan when you were building that community what channels were you on? Was it Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram? What were those kind of building community channels for you that led into the podcast? And yes. what were you And what were you speaking about? Speed meaning oh like on those or, or, channels or the content yeah what were you posting about and what was building why Why were these people following you at that time just out of curiosity
1: yeah no that's a, that's a really good question one that I should probably spend a little bit more time like not only just reflecting on but actually going back and like diving into the content to figure out what it, exactly what it was because it's evolved a little bit I think but um mm-hmm. yeah so I started out mainly on uh Twitter and then LinkedIn so oh, okay uh, on Twitter, there's a, they call it FinTwit, financial Twitter. It's like, there's this community of like financial advisors that are on there that share ideas, that consume, I mean, use Twitter like many most people do, right? Uh, but the cool thing about that is it's like allowed me to connect with people that I probably wouldn't have otherwise <laughs> connected with. So that's more of a like, has more of a, if it, well, obviously, if you're familiar with Twitter, it's like there's a learning and knowledge consumption aspect to it, where you get to like you know learn. It's sort of like a curated feed for information, okay. but but it also the thing I didn't account for was the social aspect, where you know people they're in the, in our community anyways, they're more likely to reach out on, on Twitter, Twitter than they are on like Facebook or Instagram, sometimes even on on LinkedIn. So that was the unforeseen benefit uh, totally. of Twitter, but what I eventually, I don't know, it's, this is a mistake that I made. I still don't understand how it happened. Um, but then again, I guess, you know, if we went back and well, we all make mistakes, but anyways, I, I didn't give as much time, effort and energy with LinkedIn at first. I'm not entirely sure why, but whatever. Uh, that And then I started, I, I started focusing a little bit more on how to best use and, and, and work on LinkedIn as well, because what I in that business, Wired Planning, it's a lot of B two B essentially yeah. business sales or like you know content, or it's I'm trying to educate and work with and connect with a financial advisor. So mm-hmm. they're not reading, they're not really interested in reading what I have to say about how to best interact with and, and deal with and connect with clients when they're sitting on their house at night scrolling through Facebook and Instagram. Right? They're on there as their professional hat of a financial advisor, looking to make their practice better, looking to help their clients out. And they do that more so on LinkedIn than they do most other platforms. So I ramped that up um, once I realized that I blew it there for the first, you know, probably six months or so. Um, well,
0: to be honest though, that community was not near as engaging as Twitter back then. It's been really up until the pandemic when Twitter or LinkedIn kind of like reignited itself in my mind, because it was kind of dead for those two years previous. And then the that's pandemic, a good pandemic made it like really, really, really relevant again. But Twitter has always been that very unique community where the people that use it, use it like hot water. Yes. And the yeah, people yeah, yeah. that don't have no idea what's going on there. So yeah. when you tap into the right communities, like uh, that's why I was curious, like what was working for you and what wasn't? Because it, it's not a failure. It's a timing effect in my mind. Yeah, so you are okay, kind of building the foundation, and then LinkedIn. That now it's probably hitting for you pretty good, I would imagine. So.
1: Next time I feel like I made a big mistake or feel like a failure, I'm coming to you to help me soothe it over and make me feel better about it. Yeah, this is good. I like this. I'm feeling better about myself now. Absolutely. Uh, but no, you're right because um you. I like how you said that about Twitter, where it has this component about where it's like. Not everybody uses, like they don't have as much, they don't have as many users as much engagement as some of the other platforms, but the people that use it, like they use it. And like, I became, I became a big believer. Now, now it's, if I had to choose one platform personally for my own personal use and consumption, that's probably the one that I would choose but three or four years ago, I would have never said that, but I kind of became a believer anyways. Mm -hmm. And then LinkedIn, what the pandemic, I hadn't thought about this, but you, you bring up a good point. What I'm doing on LinkedIn now may not have been possible a year or two years ago because what it did, and I think we've all, well... What it did, at least in the financial advisor world, was it forced us to reevaluate, like a lot of people to reevaluate their business development strategy. Like it's just, it's very old school industry where people go and they're like, hey, I'm gonna go out and go to networking events and try to uh, go knock on doors and cold call people. I'm gonna go out and like try to meet people, as many people as possible. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. But when when there's a pandemic, you can't go meet people face to face. You have to turn to something. I think that's, that got a lot more people on to LinkedIn, at least more actively and in a more engaged nature, which is, you know, for a lot of us too, that also comes with the unfortunate side of getting a lot of the cold um, messages of people selling their services. But, but I hadn't thought about that. There's probably more engagement now because of that than there would have been two years ago. Oh, it's, it's industry-wide. It's
0: dental, it's marketing, it's, screen printing, it's any it's anything right now. Because they're asking like who's available, what's available as far as product and services and what's the timeline of me actually getting this and having it in play, right? Uh-huh. Whether it's t-shirts, whether it's that business service, whether it's the advertising campaign, whatever. And uh so yeah, I mean for me I get to see it from a very unique perspective. And that's why I bring on certain guests because they get to see it from just their industry and maybe not as wide of a breadth as I do. And so yeah, yeah. like I, I speak with coaches, consultants, real estate brokers, the builders, the architects, like and to hear their mindsets behind how they're using Twitter and Facebook and you know all this and then all the digital, it's really interesting. And it's funny that you say I would go and use Twitter now if I had my one channel for yourself. I actually started on Twitter myself back in the day, and how I started was answering people's questions and showing up as an expert. And then they would transfer to me and say, wow, you really know what you're doing, could I hire you?
1: Really? And
0: I would go on Twitter and put hashtag marketing help, social media advice. And I just sat and watched those hashtags all day. And I mean every
1: ten seconds there's uh... do,
0: do, 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 do. and I would sit there and answer questions professionally and I did that for three months and then got really busy. So
1: So the okay, so the hashtag gave you the question, you would and then go answer the question and then they would they would client. What, they would DM you and, and say, Hey, you sound like you know what you're talking about. Can you give me a little bit more info? hmm <laughs> uh, But so, then okay, but 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 they're probably you probably weren't the only person that answered the question, right? Well, I mean, maybe that's why I I didn't see a lot of guys doing that. Okay. Okay. So I mean, for me, it was
0: a very unique process to do it and I didn't do it very long, but that's how I started. But like LinkedIn for me, it really didn't hit until three years ago because of the way I was using it and networking it. Like on my Facebook, I'm a 10th of the person I am on LinkedIn. What does that mean? So I have 2000 followers on Facebook and I have almost 12,000 now on LinkedIn. Big difference. Uh, okay, where's, so where's the money? Where's the money and oh. revenue?
1: Well, but so but is that also a byproduct of your where you're putting the majority of your effort to? Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, so there's probably a correlation between followers and effort. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but if, intentionally. If I spent,
0: you know. Yeah, it is intentionally. Yeah. And it, it's like if I wanted to intentionally build my Twitter crowd because that's where I thought I was the most impactful, then I would go spend my time there or uh, Instagram or you know, whatever I was trying to influence at that time. So if I was trying to go do like this new business solid number launch, I would go work with a bunch of influencers, people that have bigger leverage and audiences and followers in specific spaces. And then I would get them Mm. to talk about it before it launches months Mm. in advance. Mm. Like you were mentioning, like you were dragging people with a dragnet to the podcast before you're teasing it.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. kind
0: of what we would be doing with soft marketing in some ways and, you know, kind of guerrilla marketing.
1: So so I'm curious to ask you this because it's a conversation that I've had a few times uh, just on, on the contrast between Facebook and LinkedIn because you have some people that, you know, they're big, they're big believers in, in Facebook and what it can do for their brand and their business. A lot of it probably comes down to, like, where is your avatar? Where is your, t- your ideal client? Uh, yeah. But one thing I think I've found is that people are generally more open and willing to converse yeah, in, a, in a messenger format or a direct message on Facebook than you know, on LinkedIn. It's almost like on LinkedIn, people think like, oh, you're, you're probably just going to be yeah, on here selling me, me something. Yeah. Whereas on Facebook, people like actually talk to you and respond with like life stuff.
0: Yeah. Totally. yeah.
1: Uh, so I don't know if you've had that.
0: Oh, I, 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 I have a hot knife and butter and I test all these different theories. So like, the face Facebook's interesting because they don't expect you to be selling
1: something, right? Yeah, exactly. I
0: never start the conversation that way through Facebook or LinkedIn either. I get to know them first, and I say, "Oh, I see you live here. I see you work there. I see you do these things," and then I say what I do. Yeah, sure. I never just dump on them and say, "Here's my noggin branding bullshit." No, I never do that.
1: Yeah, and then so that that's a, a platform agnostic. Like fundamental approach to like being successful through it but but even if you take the same approach what have you found if you take the same approach on Facebook as on LinkedIn that the one that you just mentioned where you ask about them you make a connection do you think the responses the type of responses and the response rate would be the same
0: I think Facebook would be quicker because Facebook that app and that website gets used way more in most people's day compared to LinkedIn okay yeah, yeah. Now, now you said the heavy Twitter user that is camped out on Twitter all day—they're not on Instagram and Facebook. They're on it. They're on just Twitter, right? And and just the Facebook crowd—they're not on Twitter and they're not on LinkedIn. They're just on Facebook most of the time. Yeah. So it's for me, it's it's finding again that channel. And I've spent more time on LinkedIn because I'm going after a specific crowd. Yeah.
1: So it kind of came back. Or it kind of comes back to the whole like it's time it can all be effective but like where is your message gonna yeah where's your 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 ideal yeah right 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 um no i think that makes sense and and that's kind of what i've come back to the other thing that i learned early on from uh somebody that's just you know i guess somebody that i've looked up to and been influenced by and learned a lot from was more than anything don't like the shiny object syndrome right like don't go out there and think like okay i need to optimize my Facebook, my Instagram, my LinkedIn, my Twitter—like I need to do all of these and do all of them perfectly. TikTok, right? It's like if it—if nothing else, like just try to get really, really good at one and maybe two, and learn how to do that successfully, and then from—and then pour your time, effort, and energy into that, and then maybe then once you figure that out, then you can start, you know branching out and adding other dimensions to it. And I think if you look at like some of the, some of the people that have been most successful at it and building brands, building awareness and building an audience, a lot of times, oftentimes that's kind of how they do it. They don't try to start mm-hmm. out being the best at all, all platforms. Well, no, right. No. Like
0: we set up as a marketing service, like we set up the accounts, but we do focus on one or two channels and just do a deep dive.
1: Yeah. yeah and yeah, build yeah.
0: a community and then dragnet it out and and do that. But Historically, that's how I've approached these things and, you know, depending on the industry and the prices and, add, you know, whatever. But yeah, it's yeah. pretty interesting. So as far as your podcast, how has that kind of transformed the last year? Have you gotten more engagement? Have you been able to bring on a higher level, um, you know, guests or how has that kind of worked for you? Because you know globally a lot of people are upgrading their office equipment they're starting to do podcasts and share and educate what they have as a message so how has that worked for you and transcribe back to your wired planning business
1: yeah so i have to be you you, you might have to stop me at this point because i'm uh love talking about podcasting passionate about it uh i talk all the time about how it's been a game changer for me um mm-hmm. for me for my business for what i've seen as possible right like um and i just enjoy doing it thoroughly really enjoy like well i don't enjoy the editing but i don't edit it so i enjoy the pretty much the rest of the process um But yeah, I mean, I think I had visions of what I wanted it to be whenever I started out. Like I figured at the very least, like, it'll be kind of fun. It'll be a cool way to network with some people that otherwise wouldn't say, Hey, yeah, Brendan, I do long form interviews. So they wouldn't be like, Hey, yeah, Brendan, let's talk. Let's sit down and chat for an hour and a half. Yeah, that sounds great. Be like, you know, Brendan, I'm sure you're probably a nice guy, but maybe, maybe not, but I'm sure you're probably a nice guy. But like, I don't really have an hour and a half just to give to sit around and chat you know Mm -hmm. and like i get that you they should say that but like Mm -hmm. when you say when you've got a podcast like you get to you get to do that with some cool people that are usually too busy to to do this so you not only learn quite a bit but you make some cool connections and um Mm -hmm. so yeah so for me like it's been like i was telling you a little bit before i've been consistently putting out episodes it basically started in august 2020. Here we are, all these years later. It's you. Whenever you do it, you hear like, "Yeah, just keep doing it. Keep after it. Keep producing." Mm-hmm. Uh, Rome wasn't Rome wasn't built in a day, but they laid bricks every day. Just keep putting out the content. Game's hard. Sometimes it'll feel like nobody's listening, but just keep doing it, and, it, and the the growth will come. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to know that mm-hmm. in your head and to hear that, but it's another thing to like cling to that and then at times where you wondering like did anybody even listen to like believe that it could grow so been fortunate enough to watch it grow month after month just kind of see like the the, the interest go the, the downloads grow the listeners grow um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's always fun to like have people reach out and tell you like, hey, just found your, your podcast. Can't believe I didn't find this earlier. Hey, just found you. Thanks so much for doing this. Um, so it's awesome. led to a bunch of connections that you know, otherwise wouldn't have been made within the financial planning and advice community. And then one thing I talk about, that I mentioned too, is uh, the thing I didn't, it's, it's obvious now, but the mm-hmm. thing I didn't expect at the time is like, I'm having people reach out from Australia, like New Zealand, the UK, you know, yeah. and it, like, there's something that you go, like, man, when you start realizing you're having an international presence, you kind of go, dang, that's kind of cool. cool. Um, but the thing I would say, I wanted to mention that you mentioned earlier is this, is one of the things that's been most helpful for me is you mentioned associating your brand with like an influencer in a certain space, right? Mm-hmm. So I recognize, and uh, readily recognize and, and always remind myself that even though it's, my podcast even though it's you know got my name on it and i'm sort of responsible for the promotion and getting it out there and growing it like the guests are the lifeblood of the show right without these guests it wouldn't be where it is today because what i'm doing what i've been able to do is have some great guests on in our space some like well-known guests to financial advisors um and so i'm like i've not only been able to like associate myself and tie myself to them in a way that like builds some credibility and authority,
0: sure. but also
1: it taps into their audience too. Right. It's like, Oh, mm-hmm. if that guy was willing to go on a podcast with Brendan, right. Well then Brendan must like, it might be something I need to look into. So whenever I started, it wasn't like I was, I wasn't just launching a bunch of individual episodes. It doesn't mean you can't do that or you shouldn't do that. There's a bunch of people that do that successfully. I can only speak to the interview based guest based mm-hmm. shows, but like, you start doing that and people start posting about it or they'll start telling their audience about it. And it's an audience that has, I'm talking to people that are, so we're talking about the, the podcast is called the human side of money. So like, for example, um, we had somebody on that's a a behavioral finance expert, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a lot of what we talk about is the behavioral aspect of money and the behavioral aspect of finance. And so he's this well-known guy in the behavioral finance world. And now they, they, they're like, oh, he's on a podcast that talks about behavioral finance so because they're already following him they're interested in the topic and so that naturally builds a little bit more of an audience that way i think that's what i was thinking yeah uh, and when you, when you gave that example of um you know tapping into influencers in a space like there's no doubt in my mind that that's been a a, a part I mean, of the success part of the yeah. growth is like that format right and I, and I so that's why i always remind myself that the guests are the lifeblood of the show because the show like the quality of the show has to do with you know their presence and the information they're giving you it also has quite a bit to do with whatever reach it's, it's grown to right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It's just something that i have to remind myself and i'm thankful for and, and try to think that try to thank them all as much as i can especially those that were willing to take a chance you know early on and be on some of the first few episodes and mm-hmm. when there weren't as many listeners now people go back and download old episodes all the time. Cool. Right. But, but, but yes. And then to answer your last question it, it, at this point, it like it's come to the point where now some of the guests that I would have reached out to initially that may not have agreed have now heard about it in the yep. industry, right? Like they've had friends that were on it or friends that have mentioned it to them. Qualified. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I can reach out now with a little bit more brand That's equity, cool. name totally. awareness. And so it makes it a little bit easier conversation. I'm still trying to get to the point where I can get like big like big guest that like a lot of people mm-hmm. would know so it's, it's but that's you know it's something to work for yeah it's, something to it's, work it's, towards. it's
0: building that foundation and it looks like you've done a great job so as far as my guests what would they get out of your show what's the length and how could they utilize your coaching services if they were interested in working with you
1: Yeah, yeah. so the only guests or the only listeners of this that would get any benefit from uh, listening to the show is if you are a a financial advisor or financial planner. But I tell people all the time, like friends and family, they're always like, oh, you have a podcast, it's cool. I'm gonna listen to it, I'm gonna listen to it. I'm always like, okay, thank you for your support. I appreciate your eagerness if I'm doing my job right you're going to listen and you're going to be extremely bored if you're not in this industry. Like the power of knowing your audience and who you're talking to, who you're speaking to, right? Mm -hmm. so I always tell them that. I'm like, listen, thank you. But if you're actually interested, it probably means that I'm not doing a good job. Like it needs to be a message catered specifically to the target intended audience. So unless Mm -hmm. the the reality is is that you're not probably going to be very interested in in the podcast unless you're in the business and you're in this industry as a financial advisor, financial planner of some sort. But but that being said, we do
0: speak with and work with many firms. Nationally. okay okay cool so, Well, in I that mean, case yeah. it could potentially be thousands down the road and that's why i'm building my foundation is because not today a thousand listeners are going to hear this but in right, three months right. there's going to be ten thousand advisors we'll be in front of so
1: yeah yeah that's a great point um so. but yeah so that's the that's the message there is just you know that's mm-hmm. who it's intended for and very mm-hmm. specifically targeted towards that's also the, you know the, uh it was a way that I was more willing to take the risk of podcasting knowing that it was a very niche market that i was you, you familiar with early. like yeah well uh i see i i've been listening to podcasts for a while so to me mm-hmm. it feels like it you know was late to the game probably was late to the game but any but the point being is that i kind of felt like you know uh I'm going to go in kind of small like in an industry i'm familiar with it felt like less risk mm-hmm. i guess it's kind of what i'm saying but uh but yeah but then we, you know anybody that's an entrepreneur uh parent uh, you know somebody that's got either a family they're an entrepreneur you're a parent you've got businesses that you're running or a business that you're running and you know you don't you're high i always say our, our clients on the financial planning side are they're high on responsibility and short on time you know, mm-hmm. like they've got it. They're always thinking about how to prioritize the vital few over the trivial many. The highest best, highest and best use of their time, oh. and they recognize that you know managing their family wealth and and getting that organized and protected and accelerated is not generally the best use of their time. So they mm-hmm. they say, hey, I could do this, but like you know. I'd rather have an expert do it because generally the people, the most successful people in the world are the ones that realize that you can't do everything. And when you look at somebody, you go, man, how do they do all that stuff? The people that you look at and you're like, man, do they ever sleep? The answer is almost always like they understand the power of leveraging other people and and delegation and spending their time on the things that give the highest return. So that's who our clients are. The people that realize that, recognize that, and know like, hey, you guys are probably better at this than me. But even if you weren't, like my time is still better spent elsewhere. Do you
0: notice that your current customers are at a... What you know, what level of income and up would you want to be speaking in front of and be working with? Like for me, it's a certain price value, and I'm sure for you as well to save you time. So, what would that kind of look like?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, that's I, I, we get this question a lot. So, and I get it. Um, what I usually say is that it's not fair to necessarily tie it to a certain income level. But the best way to say it would be if you're at a point in your life where um, you've got, you're not trying to break even anymore, where you've got some profits, you've got, got a little bit of a discretionary income that you want to figure out how to maximize and do, and do the best you can with, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of the, the
0: block a few times.
1: Yeah. Right. Like you're to the point where you're like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to like, I, I'm not just paying off, like barely getting by paying my expenses. I, I've got this, you know, some extra money now, I need to figure out how to allocate it, what to do with it to get the, like, for the highest and best use, not just mm-hmm. like, you know, same concept as your time, but how to highest and best use for your money. That's usually where people start getting in touch that, or just, you know, uh, certain family events. Like a lot of times it'll be, and I'm guilty of this too. I usually don't do things until like, there's a big event or transition that, that forces me to do something. But like a lot of times a lot of people reach out and they're like, hey, I'm, uh, we, we just had another baby. We had a baby. your oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah. Or no, no, no. I didn't. Oh, we yeah, had oh. people. Yeah, yeah. No, oh. we had we had people. That's when people will reach. Those are the people that need to reach out or want to oh, reach gotcha. out. Because it's hard to put an, an it's hard to put an income number on it because there's so many different dynamics mm-hmm. to that when you're running a business like revenue versus income versus what shows up on your tax return. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just kind of trying to give a, a few feel like an idea of like you know, when you get to the point where you're trying to figure out you know what to do with your with your money because you're not just paying off expenses anymore. When you have a life event like having a baby, um, starting a business, starting another business. Um, you know d- divorce like that sort of thing that's usually
0: you're describing it to the people that are gonna get it when they hear it yeah because yeah they exactly. know themselves yeah. right yeah that's right people, yeah, people yeah. are aware of themselves at that level so yeah yeah i think that's yeah. and that's right. who we that's like exactly. to work with It's you know that's who's in the network and that's who we're referring and you know partnering with and yeah we're not the one providing the ongoing service or underwriting this or, you know, so it's the partners that we're trusting and we're pulling in and, you know, we're just the connecting piece. So
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And it sounds like that's what you're doing. You're educating and then connecting and, you know, keeping it ongoing with the relationship. So yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Very much. I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of the time, what's what people want, what they'll pay for is somebody that's there to give them, to offer some advice, give them a roadmap, but then also like, connect to other people that they need to be connected with mm-hmm. whether now it be uh oh go ahead, oh, go ahead. oh sorry go ahead i was just gonna say whether it be in our world it's always like hey you know, uh do you know anybody that you know good you know a good tax strategist right you know a good attorney or state planning attorney like you, it, it could be any of the, those are usually the people that we're helping to connect people with it, mm-hmm. it just where it's because again the high on responsibility short on time we are thought processes we want to be like a go-to person for somebody to say hey I, this is what i need do you like what should i do can you help me find somebody that can fill that gap because we already know i like, can trust you mm-hmm. so i trust that you work with people that are like you that You know, place a high priority on on delivering results and being responsible and responding. Anyways, all those sort of things that go into it. But yes, to your point, but being a connector is a a big piece of it when you're dealing with people that don't have a lot of time, but they've got Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of things on their plate or know where to look or who to contact and you know
0: they're not familiar with that space so we're kind of like a red carpet introduction and we try and like smooth that process out That's most, right. peop- most people are intimidated to talk to financial advisors or bankers because yep. historically they haven't had the best relationships and that hasn't they haven't gotten what they needed and so yep. we're trying to break that barrier down and make yeah. it a little bit easier a barrier of entry to get in and work and build and scale and yeah, you know hopefully people can hire more employees and get to the next location and expand that marketing and you know do all these things and yeah and then yeah. and then do the financial and, and all that on the back so yeah right? yeah that's exactly and that's, right and that's why we are trying to have those conversations and fill those relationships so they can catch those people that say hey who do you know and i say you got to talk to Brandon. he's the he's the boss in this space <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah. Right, that's exactly right. So
0: I—that's I, why I'm trying to do this and pre-qualify, and you know, we're we're doing it in an organic way. And I have certain relationships. You have certain relationships. We're all trying to leverage each other's networks and visibility and, and gain traction in our own spaces. And you know, so I'm pulling on CEOs, business owners, thought progressive leaders in their spaces. Uh, people from accelerators and incubators and try and get the whole like the concept from even the back end of the funding the you know the bankers and financiers we work with so you know we're trying to have like the entrepreneur's mindset the servicing mindset the funding mindset so yeah i'm trying to go for like you know a a big podcast at some point i'm starting very small but you know it'd be cool to be a, a joe rogan at some point or you know people know you for certain conversations so we'll see but don't wait don't they all start small
1: they do I, for, as far as i know i could be wrong like no, every I mean, podcast before it's launched weird. has
0: zero listeners most people think if you think about joe rogan most people don't know him they've watched one of the episodes because of the amazing guest yeah right right think of the elon musk episode where everyone knew he smoked a joint yeah a a, a billion people knew about that it affected tesla's stock price for god's sake did you see their twitter account the day after it was on fire man yeah Yeah. like that's i i like to play in that i think it's hilarious um and so and i watch this stuff and i you know because anyways so um so for me like yeah it's it's been fun to to start my podcast to bring on other experts in their fields and and build out these foundations so people in their networks can catch referrals and you know be educating these people as as they get closer to those you know higher levels of income or their businesses performing at those levels so
1: yeah yeah no i think i mean i think it's awesome i think it makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense and um I mean, like I said, I'm a big believer in the platform and there's like, there's studies out there. And I've heard other podcasters say that there's something about like the audio format that connects with people in a way that other formats just don't really do, you know, um, as, there's a level of intimacy that's hard to, to, to compete with on, especially do a blog, but even compared to video, like a lot of times people will sit down and watch a five minute video, right. But And there's like some connection there, but like when you're in somebody's ear while they're walking their dog or in their car for 30 for minutes, hour. Or, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. And whatever. I mean, no, I mean, well, hopefully they listen more than that because my episodes are yeah. way longer than that. So, yeah. uh or like, you know, you're, you're at the gym or whatever. Like there's mm-hmm. something to be said. There's something formed there that doesn't necessarily get formed in a five minute video. Right. I'm not saying video is also super powerful. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. just saying like, yeah, there's in something that, about it. Format. Right. Yeah. 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 There's, there's something yeah. about it that I don't know how to explain, but I've seen it happen too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's, it's cool. And, and it's fun. And it's been, like I said, it's been a game changer for me. Yeah
0: it's It's interesting that you said the uh you know you felt late to the game in the podcasting, and the way that I've you know just kind of seen this as an outsider is not an expert in that at all, but it seems like the people that had a personality and an and an audience or a community they were the originators in that space, yeah, and now you see the listener going. Oh, well, I do kind of cool stuff too, and maybe and now they're starting theirs right and right. and like i I work with other service providers that build podcasts and monetize do all this stuff and and they're like, dude, since the pandemic, the numbers are off the charts. people have been buying computers and chairs and you know all this stuff and he's like, it's uh, phenomenal, yeah, yeah, because they're at home and like they have these you know. Audiences that are kind of stuck at their house at the moment, so <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right, captive yeah. audience in a way. So, yeah, um, you know, people aren't going to movie theaters and watching the new thing; they're watching the new Netflix show and they're binging it. But after, they're like, "Well, what is this guy up to?" So, yeah, you know, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> no, looking for good. that little next dopamine hit in a way, and like, "Oh, what's the next thing I can get and you know, listen to or get some engagement out of?" So,
1: yeah, yeah, no, there's no doubt about. It. Yeah, I bet, I bet the sales of. Uh, microphones right like the headphones i'm, I'm sure they're two this here,
0: so <laughs> uh, yeah
1: see yeah exactly and, uh, but it, so i think it's important to say this what's funny is if you've looked have you seen some of those stats out there about um uh, like the longevity or the perseverance of certain podcasts and like what it takes to be in the top like 10 percent based oh, on it's, downloads and stuff it's insane it's a well insane meaning multi-millions wait no hang on i was gonna so this is what i was gonna say oh. is if you look the number of podcasts that actually like continue producing more than 10 episodes is like minimal so like oh, yeah, there's yeah. The, however there's like so how everybody seems like everybody's starting a podcast right this is something people reach out and they say hey bernie i see you have a podcast i'm kind of interested i'd like to know like your insights what should i do like w- one of the things that everybody says is like it seems like everybody's starting one like am i too late to the game or is it it's just going to be like noise in the midst of all these other people and it's like I mean first of all i can't guarantee the success of your podcast but but the one thing we know is that there there's all the there, there's a big pool of people that are starting but the vast majority and i wish i had the numbers you make for a much more compelling uh case here but oh, it's it'd like 95 like percent sh- are gonna not yeah it's go like past 10 episodes or something that, that's it's 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 basically yeah. like that's right in that ballpark yeah. and then it's also like to be in the top i think I want to say, these aren't going to be exact, but they're going to be close. And I don't like giving non-exact numbers. I just don't have them in front of me. But if you look at the the top 10% of podcasts get like, I think it's 500 downloads within the first two weeks. It's not even like insurmountable. It's not even like, hey, the top 10% have 50,000 downloads. It's like, no, just mm-hmm. being the top 10%, all you need is 500 downloads mm-hmm. within two weeks. And it's like, well, that seems doable. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, or at least in my mind, it felt doable. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think I think I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, And I'm in a, a super niche market, right? Like I, I've only got like a certain number of people that would even be interested. Totally. Um, but yeah, I think it just comes down to sticking with it and not giving up because i think what a lot of people do is they'll listen or they'll put they'll put out a few episodes see that not many people are listening and go okay and it's it's harder to do than you you think too it's got a low barrier to entry as far as getting it started Mm -hmm. right like just buy a mic buy a computer maybe some headphones Mm -hmm. go to fiverr have somebody do some artwork for you Mm uh yeah start hosting it and post it and start posting but like there's a little bit more that goes into like even if you're doing individual episodes like get prepping for it. There's prep work. If you have guests, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a little, it takes a little bit more work than you think. Mm-hmm. So that also, I think serves as a barrier to perseverance because you're going like, eventually you're like, okay, that's a little bit more work than I thought. Not many people are listening. I'm out. Right. Yep. Um, well, so anyway. you've
0: probably seen also the stats and numbers on content creators, influencers on, on Instagram and YouTube And it's how many views they have to get to make a few dollars. And, you know, is that sustainable, right? You have all these RV YouTubers, the van life and all that. And they're getting millions of views. But they're like, our paychecks are nothing. We're barely living. Yeah. So the average YouTuber is making a penny off of an episode, and the good ones are making, say, 50 bucks an episode. Or, you know, it's it's very minimal.
1: Yeah. And they're getting yeah.
0: you know huge exposure, and they've even got brand deals and partnerships, and they're still making nothing. So, yeah. So that has been a big reality check, and like you said, most people will drop off. Right? The influencers that are actually making money and doing it, they're consistent. They're growing it. Ninety nine percent fail. <laughs> so it's yeah. same, it's, pre, it's it's probably almost similar to the number of business startups that start up and fail and actually su- succeed in the first three to five years. And it's probably similar. It's That's in a great high, point. It's
1: in the high nineties. <laughs> I bet you know. I, I bet you're right. If we looked, it's probably just like that. I mean, it's probably uh, similar.
0: Yeah. And yeah. you know, it's it's the same as the podcast, the influencers, the successful business people. Right. It's all that top three to five or ten percent
1: that's killing it and the rest is just making it work <laughs> yeah yeah no i think there's I, it's is. interesting you say that but there is a pretty close parallel there between like the number that's sticking out and, and last in business or mm-hmm. podcasting and yeah
0: so i mean it, it's probably there's some correlation but anyways now, as as far as you, Brendan, what do you like to do for fun? What do you like to do to relax, get out of the <laughs> business space and just chill yeah. with the family and friends? Or,
1: This is one of those questions that kind of like I get a little bit uh, nervous about because I don't have a good answer, but I wish that I did have like a good, fun answer. It's like really kind of boring. Uh, but like, so I've got two businesses, two kids and a wife, all of which I'm like determined to be really really good to excel at not that i am excelling at don't hear me wrong i'm but like i want to be great at being a dad a a husband and and running these businesses like that's That's important important. to me so you start you start uh, putting together your time blocking putting together your calendar and you kind of go whoa hang on that fills up quite a bit of time so I have to be intentional about like creating my own space right And then you also like you know psychology tells us the psychology work tells us that like a healthy life also involves like social relationships with friends and community so you figure you know you need to build some of that in too. Mm-hmm. uh so i don't have a ton of free time i guess i'd say that first and foremost but when i do try to prioritize it basically like when i get to the point where i can do my own thing i don't really feel like doing anything mm-hmm. uh so i essentially just like sit there and watch a lot of sports like i'm a big so i'm a big sports fan okay. uh then a big um I've, I've, i have fun with like fantasy football and oh cool the dfs stuff and so uh, awesome. i like i like watching sports i like consuming some of that content that, yeah. because i'm competitive so i like you know trying to win and doing that sort of thing but yeah i'm either uh, watching sports uh oh my this is on my own time by the way watching mm-hmm. sports trying to compete at something in some way shape or form Mm-hmm. hanging out with friends or probably listening um to another podcast okay cool yeah so awesome you'll probably regret asking that question because that's literally not fun at all but, but oh. i mean it's, it, i see my time as like my yeah, yeah. Um, res- restorative time it's yeah, like for sure w- whenever i have that time it's like okay this is my time to sort of like get my mind right get my energy back because everything else that i do i'm giving it out right like, yeah exactly you're a kids, big giver and yeah.
0: supporter and right and yeah, you want to show up as the best you can in that time. And so to show up as loving, supportive, and caring, right? It takes some energy. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, That's it's, exactly right. You can't show up with a low battery and the wife is going to feel it the same and the kids are going to feel it the same and same yeah. with customers and clients. If I show up in a meeting and I'm 25%, they know. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are,
0: are you sick? Like, what's the matter, Mike? You look purple <laughs> today.
1: So I'm just joking, but... You know, what I mean. so. <laughs> yeah. You look purple. You made more something more serious going on. Cookie Monster, mm-hmm. get
0: a hold of you. Let's go. Yeah, i right. so, Yeah,
1: no, I'm just kidding. But,
0: um, but yeah, I mean, I I show up with a certain level of energy, and people know me for that. It's a branding thing, right? Like, yeah, if, I, yeah. if I go to a coffee shop, they know me versus the guy next to him because of how I dress, the way I show up, my energy is uh-huh. a different aura than the next guy next to me. That is for dang sure. So yeah, yeah. if I go to the bank, I meet clients, I do anything, it's, you know, I show up with a certain level of energy and I try and make it a fun transaction. I try and be memorable to whoever I'm interacting with. And like, yeah, it's, it's more fun for me that way instead of to show up like... Oh hey Brandon Man, hey hey, let's do another podcast. Like <laughs> it's a waste of my time and your time if I show up like that. So Yeah. yeah. I, I try to show up and have fun, make it engaging, like how could I maybe do some future business with you, educate other thought leaders in your space, and then maybe in six months I'll be like, Hey, I got a thousand dudes that might want to hear that podcast now. So
1: Yeah, yeah, that's
0: right. So, yeah. you know, for me I'm on um, I'm relationship, long term value based, things like that. So
1: I think that's what I mean. Personal preference or my personal opinion—I've been wrong before, believe it or not. My opinions have also been wrong at times. Uh, uh, don't tell my wife that. Really? Uh, <laughs> but but per, like personally, from everything that I've learned, gathered, experienced at this point in life, it seems like that's the w- the winning formula, or like the closest thing to a surefire formula for success is mm. uh, taking the long term view and the long term approach. Totally. Yeah. I-
0: You know most of my clients said you know michael didn't pitch me up front he got to know me he got to build the relationship and then they said hey could you do this for me and that's how i've gotten the bigger clients and the clients that last a lot longer and they don't sit there and pray where'd my money go this month so yeah a little different (laughs) situation so you know startups are fun we have a you know a, a space for that but you know, where I make the most impact and I get to see the most influence is bigger entities now and community projects and, you know, doing all this marketing and finance stuff. So that's why I'm going to be able to see more of my work. And with you, you get to see the families. They get to have more money and travel and, you know, live a better life and, you know, have their kids live a better life too. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't grow up with parents that, you know, gave me money or planned for that and, you know, I'm hoping that I can do that for my kids, obviously. And I will be, but yeah. you know, most people don't even have that opportunity in life. And so you're able to educate and say, well, you do make this, here's how you could start saving and be, you know, financially aware and abundant at some
1: point. So, and then yeah. maybe
0: make some future moves. So.
1: Yeah. I think I, I would, I'm going to say this cause I think it's important and uh, a lot cause it's a lot of what I talk about on the podcast and with other advisors, it's like, um, what it's easy to get caught up in like the technical strategies of what to do. Like, here's how much you should save. Uh, here's a tax strategy to save more money, but like our ultimately the, the most important thing, the most valuable thing you can do is help to align somebody's capital, their money with, what's most important to them so align their capital with their values and the goals that they have for life because anything other than that i mean it doesn't really matter accumulating a bunch of money doesn't really provide fulfillment and happiness and satisfaction it's how you allocate your money in accordance with like your goals and your values that actually yield that so to me that's like the, the biggest it's not how we do it it's not like hey we've got this investment we've got this uh process we've got this system it's like those are all important means to the end the end being making sure that your dollars your money are aligned with the things that are most important to you in your life and anything short of that's a failure i don't care if you have the best investment that gives you 10x your return on your money if you're not using it if you're not spending it to live the life that you want to live it's pretty much irrelevant i mean it doesn't it doesn't matter
0: well said a lot of people think like you know say the bitcoin space or you know any of their investments in in the stock market they think they get the 10 extra turn and they get this big win but they don't do anything with it like it just it sits there and they don't they don't allocate it after that win and that's where you know they could you know do a lot of things differently and so anyways
1: yeah yeah no I, and i get like there's something to be said for like making the money to be able to spend right like but mm-hmm. but if you make them so it's not just making it and not spending. It, it's also making it and then not using it in alignment with your vision what your you goals want. and your values right mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that you can't go and buy like a new car that, that's mm-hmm. not what that means but what it does mean is like you know there's more to it than just making money and that's where a lot of people fall short is a lot of people especially in our world they just think like oh hey if i can just like you know show somebody how to save more how to make more how to earn more and how to protect it like that's all that matters it's like no i mean you could do that but like at the end of the day are you fulfilled if you're going home at night doing that or would you be more fulfilled if you were showing somebody how to do that and helping them live a better life and using their their money using their finances to live a better life that's
0: cool they get to they're in involved in watching their money work right and and get to take them to that next level and well I and it ties them to a deeper purpose too yeah, right we, sure.
1: we've all probably heard of simon Sinek's work on the power of why right like mm-hmm. to get somebody to do something or stick to something or to move on something oh, to yeah. give them a real like fuel behind it like get you find discover or help somebody discover their why and mm-hmm. and it's a uh, that's a game changer. So that's, yeah, I mean, to your point, that's, sure. I mean, that's a big piece of it is helping people uncover their why. Because most people just simply don't take the time to to think through it. Most people don't sit down long enough to go like, hey, you know what? One of the most important things to me in my life is doing meaningful, impactful work. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like, but once you know that that's important and you identify it as important, it becomes a lens through which you can view all of your other decisions, right? So now, like when you have a big decision to be made, you can go, hey, is this, do I want to do this? It's like, well, meaningful, impactful work is important to me. This job pays more, but this job, I get to like actually impact lives. Yeah. If you choose, if you go with the higher paying job over the one that aligns with your values and in, in in who you are, you're not going to have the same level of satisfaction. So you have to know that first and foremost. And most people just simply don't do the work to discover what those things are, to know what to use as their lens and as a filter for making decisions like that.
0: You're, very right like even as i was graduating college like uh you know 90 percent of my graduating class didn't know what they wanted to do after their business degree was completed huh yep. they all just thought they were gonna go start making 100 grand and i was like well where what are you interested in what company are you gonna start your own or are you gonna be the employee uh-huh. and to start at 100 grand that might take you a few years and yeah, yeah you know yeah. so they had painted these pretty pictures based on our teachers and whatnot and you know, we were reading out of textbooks. We were not on social media and websites, unfortunately.
1: Right, right, right. Kinda yeah, sad. you you learned it. You learned what to do, but you still hadn't done it. No, and neither had the, have the teachers. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another. Yeah, that's, that's, that's another whole other conversation. conversation. Yeah.
0: Anyways, well, Brendan, I really appreciate you being a guest today, and you are a very special guest. Remember <laughs> that. I want to give you a high five and qualify you as that today, buddy. Thank yeah. you for coming on. Thank you for sharing about Wired Planning and your podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to add all of your links and information down below so people can contact you, uh, You know, hopefully sign up or learn more about your business and services down the road. And uh, yeah, if there's any last comments, I'll let you have the floor here for the last few seconds.
1: I think I got it all out. I think I did. Awesome. Uh... I mean, nothing striking me is something that I feel like I needed to part with. But I do want to say <laughs> thanks for having me. Uh, it's Absolutely. been a blast. Enjoyed the conversation. Happy to do it. And, and I mean, i anyway, impressed with the work that you're doing. I appreciate you letting me be, be a part of it. Cool, man. Appreciate it. You have a great
0: rest of the week. And uh, we will uh, be sharing this with our different platforms. And uh, we hope you the best with Wired Planning and your future podcasts. So thanks thanks so much. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Brendan. Take care d <music>